On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Hilda, thank you very much indeed. Very good morning to you all. Lovely to see you here this morning. Thank you for being with us today. So, we're going to be thinking about climate justice today. Pakistan has been underwater with thousands dead and up to 50 million people displaced. Western Europe, Central and Eastern China have all experienced record heat waves and drought. In the UK, we tipped over 40 degrees Celsius uh, this summer. Wildfires are on the rampage. Habitats are shrinking. Rainfall is shifting. We have mass migration and an extreme loss of biodiversity. This is our climate emergency. And even if we start to take radical action right now, we will still see further destruction of habitat and war and migration and starvation and intense wildfires and droughts. Africa is already and will continue to be very hard hit. Uh, tropical storms uh, will grow uh, deadlier. We're going to focus today, though, on the fact that this is absurdly unjust. The poorest and most vulnerable, those who've contributed least to the gigatons of carbon dioxide warming our atmosphere, they suffer the most in deeper poverty and harsher climates. We, on the other hand, richer nations, who've benefited enormously from, the, from industrialization and the burning of fossil fuels, we have suffered the least. It's our mess, but others are paying the price. 
Here is just one uh, simple way of understanding that. This is a graph that visualizes the number of tons of carbon dioxide per person per year across the world. Just have a little look at that. So Nigeria, 0.6. India and the UK, 4.9. China, 8.2. Uh, the US, at 13.6. What those figures leave out is that Western Europe and North America have been top of that leaderboard for decades. We pollute more and we've polluted for longer. Now, you all know what it's like when something is unfair, when you're underpaid or passed over or disappointed in love or you're wrestling with bereavement or you're trying to get ahead in business. You know the seething paralyzing anger of being on the receiving end of injustice. It's not right. Well, we now have injustice on a global scale. And the first thing we need to do today is to sit quietly and to feel the full weight of this injustice. And for some of you, that is all you need. You see something that's unfair. You know we should make it right. You know we should change our lifestyles and require our leaders to eradicate the causes of the climate justice. Some of us are not yet convinced, and we feel, well, it, you know, it takes more than a few dry summers to prove there's a crisis. Some of us are full of righteous anger, and we're big on who's to blame, but we lack the will to change the way we live. And then Jesus appears through the crowd, with this revolutionary parable of the Good Samaritan. And we try to hear its power afresh. We're aware, aren't we, of the countless acts of service and love and compassion that Jesus has inspired. Think about the hospitals and the hospices and the acts of grace. Christians pick up Jesus' song of crossing divides and treating the neglected with generosity and with dignity. And we love Jesus for this parable. We love the way that this parable is, of course, really about him. It's about his compassion, his stepping across the divide, his radical love, his determination to pay the price for our restoration, not in mere coins or inconvenience, but in a beautiful life of humility, ending with an ugly death of humiliation. We gladly serve our risen Savior. We celebrate debts forgiven, we celebrate relationships put right. And so we hear this passage, as Hilda read it for us this morning, we warm to the challenge of loving our global neighbor. We recognize that for Jesus' original questioner, the world was a smaller place. The despised outsider Samaritan only lived 25 miles away. We know that the world has shrunk and that we, like the Samaritan, can help. And so, we really do want to love our global neighbor. Yes, we want to campaign that government promises uh, made are actually fulfilled, and we'll see a little bit about that later. We long uh, to see the lives of the poorest and the most vulnerable transformed for the better. 
We believe that our government and other governments should be sacrificially tending to the needs and the wounds of our sisters and our brothers, the people who are paying the highest price without any of the benefits that we've enjoyed. Yes, we want to be generous and tender and attentive in all the ways that we see Jesus being generous and tender and attentive. This Good Samaritan thing, it's challenging, but it's righteous, isn't it? We know how these parables work. We know that we need to step into the shoes of the one who ignores cultural and historic differences to offer true love and compassion without counting the cost or getting a payback or even recognition. But friends, we have to do much more than that today. Much as we love to jump into the shoes of the Good Samaritan, the, the hero of the hour, we must admit that we already live in this dangerously simple parable, playing parts that are less hero and more villain. We are the priest and the Levite who walk past the beaten and defenseless man. We have every reason to stop and help, but we find incredibly righteous reasons not to help. We say we've got our own people to look after. We say we can't afford it. We can't be good global neighbors until we confess that so far, We've been terrible global neighbors. We've been the people chucking our garbage into their back gardens. And here's the hardest part. We also play a starring role as the ruthless robbers responsible for the beaten, senseless, naked figure on the ground. We as a culture have benefited enormously from the systematic exploitation of our Earth's resources resources, exploitation that has been so catastrophic for God's world, so, so far from what our God-designed role as stewards of creation required. That was in our past, you say. It's not our responsibility. Well, we live very comfortably in the present because of it. And we continue to be a significant part of the problem polluting, degrading, spoiling, robbing the earth and many of its people through our inaction and our denial and our tight grip on an unsustainable lifestyle that is breaking God's beautiful world. We can't even begin to be good global neighbors, rushing to the aid of the poor, when it's our actions that made them poor and keep them poor. Do you long to be a good global Samaritan? It's right, it's just, it's generous. It's the Jesus way to be. We'll get there. But we must first stop being part of the problem by recognizing this emergency and our share of responsibility for it. We have a mandate from God to love and care for the world, not despoil it. And so we have to change our lifestyles and change our attitudes and change what we expect from our leaders. Then, and only then, we might be ready to live as good global neighbors.
Amen.